There it goes. All right, boys, we are back. You know, I was thinking one thing I've been really bad about is introducing us on the podcast. Like, we get some new listeners here and there, and they're probably like, who are these goons all talking? So I thought maybe we could do quick intros, and then we could talk about our beers. And I have a merry-go-round, not a merry-go-round, musical chairs assortment of baseball topics to talk about all right but i'd love to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about too so i got some ideas in the noggin too so all right we'll see all right well matt since uh you're mr idea guy mr matt root here the glue guy of the uh the group what are you drinking tonight i've got a english dark mild ale called homespun moon from a place in philly called tired hands brewing Mm. now it's Dark, a dark mild, an English mild is for all those who are listening. It's a very dark brown beer. English mild. I don't. I've, I've always been told that English. I mean, it's usually a three and a half percent ish beer. It's very, very mild. It's not very alcoholic. And I've always been told that because it was something that like an Englishman would have on his lunch. Like if he took his lunch break, went to the pub, got a sandwich. There were some fish and chips. He'd get a mild so he could go back and work the afternoon. So I don't know if that's true or not, but um, <laughs> it's a style that's, that's very underappreciated. This just tastes like very nutty. It's like a, it's not like a lager. Like it's got body to it, but it's very nutty. Looks delicious. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah. I, I, hardly anyone ever brews milds and they're great. But so I got that. And then uh, I'm continuing the trend of cheese stuffed pastas. I'm bringing it back. Um, I've got handmade burrata, herb, and lemon zest ravioli. Wow. Handmade by you or handmade by like a local Italian store? Handmade by some pasta vendor at the Eastern Market in Washington, D.C. Oh, fuck yeah. Nice. <laughs> mm. Very tasty. I didn't know what burrata was, but it's very delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What well, do you very- got, very interesting phenomenon before I get into mine. So Matt usually is the first one to join the meeting. And I don't know how this is actually going to record on the YouTube. Uh, but whenever whenever I jump in, my, my camera always moves to the left. So if you're looking at a computer screen, when you look at the recording, I'm always on the, on the left side. There's two people on the top. There's one person on the bottom. If it's just the three of us and I'm always the person to the left, Matt's always the person to the right. And then Ethan, who's always last is on the bottom. But for whatever reason, there's been two times where Ethan has been the first one on the call. When he jumps into the meeting first, he ends up on my left and I'm on the right right now. So I am totally thrown off. <laughs> and this is, this is really weird for me. So, um, I'll I'll talk about my beer and then I'll let Ethan uh, introduce himself. But I just wanted to say that that it's thrown me off. Uh, I've been waiting to drink this beer on the podcast because this was a, a beer from Matt, uh, the We Are uh, from Stable Twelve Brewing Company in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Where the hell is that, Matt? Northwest of Philly. Northwest of Philly. Very delicious. Very light. Traditional lager nothing too crazy about it but i uh, definitely love the we are Penn State it hurt me to you. send you that and uh and ethan in the same box i sent him a scranton themed beer too so yes a, that one hurt nice. too <laughs> the electric city oh fun 
<laughs> I was just in Scranton. I so I still have that one, Matt. And I was I was gonna pull that one out because I was just in Scranton this past weekend, but uh, I decided to go with the Penn State one instead. I'm wearing the Penn State hat. So, Ethan, you got any beer left in that apartment? Uh, no, so I'm drinking water tonight because I'm in a mostly empty apartment. There's no booze here. There's only water. Um, I finished all of my New Zealand uh, other half IPAs that Matt had sent to me. They were delicious. Um, so yeah, so just just water tonight. And by the way, this is very interesting, Colin, about your your video placement because for me, I'm literally always in the top right on my screen, no matter what. So I have really? no idea what the system is, what the algorithm algorithm is, or whatever. But yeah. in any case, yeah, just water tonight. And um, is it echoey? Can you hear like an echo? Yeah, a little bit, definitely. but not too bad. <laughs> All right. Hopefully the listeners uh, won't want to kill themselves from that. Um, but uh, yeah. Your baritone voice will make up for it, Ethan. <laughs> yes. The soothing dulcet tones. Yeah. Yes. And don't worry. We will, we will rectify the beer free issue soon. I've right. got another, I've got another fancy beer pack coming next week from other half in the spirit of, um, of uh, basketball season. It's hop madness. So it's eight mm-hmm. eight basketball themed beers that I'll be I'll be mailing Ethan's way. So uh, we'll 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 take care of that quickly. Yeah, what's what's it like, Rudy, having a team in the Final Four, Villanova? Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm I'm paying attention to baseball. I, I couldn't even have told you that that like I was rooting for St. Peter's more than I was for for Villanova. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, whatever. Like, I think everyone's waiting for baseball season. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I, I had a drive through uh, Durham on my, on Friday when I was on my way to my parents before we shot up to Scranton because uh, there was an accident on the 85. And this was before Duke had made the final four. The campus was decked out all Duke stuff, everybody. I mean, not surprising. Obviously, they're a huge basketball school and you know, get super into it. But I was just like, whoa, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> um, okay, dri- final season blur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's gonna murder UNC on Saturday because they embarrassed him in his last home game. Mm. I bet he yeah, I bet I bet they win it all just because like his career has been so charmed. It just would make sense that they win the national title in his last season. Yeah. It's been a while since he's 2015, I think is the last one mm-hmm. that they've had. So he should have stayed at Army. <laughs> yeah him and bobby knight yeah yeah <laughs> all right idea guy what do you got for us what i got for me oh well you're, you're putting me on the spot right away oh i mean we oh, can man. jump into the baseball stuff but well well so uh, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna stammer until i can get there but uh anyone else see the usfl proposed football rule changes nope so what is what is the usfl okay is it it's like the, uh it's spring football. Uh, essentially, it's it's a league that's existed on and off for forty years. Um, but essentially, they're trying to challenge the NFL. They want to be another football league out there, kind of like the XFL, except I think the XFL has a a partnership agreement with the NFL now. Um, but uh, it, it's just a, a rival football league out there that will probably fail. Um, but what's interesting about when these things happen is these leagues will introduce rule modifications that will sometimes filter into the actual NFL. So I believe that's how the two point conversion got there uh, and a couple other rules that ended up in the NFL. Um, So just a couple interesting ones that 
Uh, I mean, I hope the USFL sticks around, but if it doesn't, um, these are some rules that you might see if, if they're successful in the USFL that you might see the NFL adopt. So, uh, you know, they're going to change up extra points. So if uh, you can make a, a one point extra point for kicking the ball from the 15, two points if you're uh, making a regular two point conversion from the two yard line, or a three point extra point if you uh, make, if you cross the goal line from the 10 yard line. So that was an interesting one. Hmm. Um, if you score and want to try and keep ball, keep the ball, they will keep traditional onside kicks, but also they can they can line you up for a fourth and twelve from the thirty three. So you could score and then go right back to the thirty three yard line with the ball, and complete a fourth and twelve uh, conversion and keep the ball from that spot. Um, if not, the opposing team gets the ball wherever the ball is downed. So it's kind of a. Uh, uh, a uh, coin flip there. Um, they, they're allowing two forward passes as long as the first pass is behind the line of scrimmage. So you might see some more trickery now. Wow. Um, again, not right now, the way the NFL works, it's one forward pass and the forward pass has to come from behind the line of scrimmage. But so that's why any sort of trick play is like a lateral. So this is going to be interesting how that happens. It'll be two forward passes. How does what's uh, the rule with that? Explain that again. So in the NFL, you only can throw the ball forward once. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm, I'm talking about the new rule. The new rule, you can have two forward passes, but the first pass has to be completed behind the line of scrimmage. So it has so to be caught behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. Basically like a one-yard dump? Or say you do a reverse throwback, throw down the field. Like, imagine this, you know, a wide receiver like a on the screen. left side of the field does a reverse, he catches it, throws it back to the left side of the field, where the quarterback is, the forward pass, but the quarterback's still behind the line of scrimmage. And then the wide receiver who's doing the reverse keeps running down the field, and the quarterback throws it back across the field to the wide receiver, who then catches it and goes all the way to the end zone. Okay. Very interesting. My football brain working there. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job. Uh, and then the last Very one, uh, overtime. So they're going to be um, – it's kind of a college-style a college style play, but it's – each team alternates plays from the opposing team's two-yard line. Um, and it starts out as uh, it's like a best of three. Each team can run a play three times. So each team's guaranteed three plays. And if they're tied up with conversions after three plays each, it'll be like a sudden death. Like everyone gets one shot moving forward. As someone who watched Penn State lose a nine overtime game to lowly Illinois, I will say that that is, even if they had won that game, it is the worst overtime rule ever. I actually saw the NFL is adopting a new overtime rule this year where both teams are going to get a chance to score now. Only in the playoffs. Only in the playoffs? Okay. Yep. That makes that makes sense. And the regular season games and playoffs. This gives both teams a chance too, but it's essentially two-point conversions. So, Yeah, but the, the thing that's similar to, like you had said, with the college game is like, if both teams make it, then you got to do it again. Or if both both teams miss it, which is what happened a bunch of times in that Penn State Illinois game, then you got to do it again. It's like, how many times can you miss a two point conversion from the two yard line? Well, it turned out it was like seven, eight times. So, I mean, that just sounds like bad coaching to me. Uh, it was mm-hmm. it was awful. <laughs> it was we'll awful. Dig. We'll dig. Yeah, Sean Clifford was hurt. It was it was terrible. It was 
not not Franklin's shining moment as coach. Isn't like sure. isn't it about time for like? Oh no, I, I won't finish that sentence. I'm gonna what? Nope, nope, not gonna say. Come on, that. Come on. next topic. Come on. Nope, not saying that on the recording. Nope. Come on, Matt. Uh, Matt won't. Matt has lines that he won't cross. Not he's not like me. Yeah. He has a moral compass. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, as I was thinking of the joke, it, I was thinking that's probably offensive, so I shouldn't say it. So. Yeah. You, so basically, you should ask yourself, WWED, what would Ethan do? And if and if Ethan would do it, you probably should not do it. I don't I don't basically. I don't know if Ethan would do this one either, which is yeah. like really red flags. Well, so <laughs> exactly. OK, so that's that's your answer then. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. What else you got, idea guy? Oh, I mean, that was the biggest one. Um, right. uh, Bruce Arians just retired. Um, Did he? Yeah, he's going to be a front office guy now. No more coaching. So Wow. Even with Brady coming Tom Brady back? effect? I don't know. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. And uh, we've got, I mean, we've got the, we talked to Brady, the Brady, well, excuse me, the Watson effect a lot last weekend, but mm, yeah. it still seems like between, um, the baseball offseason and the NFL offseason, it's just kind of crazy out there right now. Money flying around, crazy different uh, signings happening everywhere. Unfortunately, it sounds like Baker Mayfield is still kind of out to pasture. He's still on the roster, but they don't want him. Yeah. No, no team's going to want to take his $18 million salary. You know, think about it this way. The Colts said we would rather take an old washed up Matt Ryan. They would try a chance <laughs> on uh, – Baker Mayfield, and even worse, even worse, the the Commanders said they would take Carson Wentz over uh, over Baker Mayfield, and I say even worse because if you guys get a chance, read the article about Carson Wentz that came out. I think it was on ESPN today. Um, holy cow! Lots of red flags about how bad that guy's in the locker room, and really? how yeah, um, it was it was the article was talking about how Jim Irsay came out. And kind of publicly bashed him, um, and you know, Ursay's a mixed. He's a middle of the road owner, um, but they were saying that it, it sounded really bad that the team moved on from him that quick. And that actually reminds me, of my next thing, Ethan's favorite topic in a recurring segment that Colin has brought up before. Who, what billionaires do you want to hate today? <laughs> and today. I've got the Pegulas, Peg- Pegulas, Peg- whatever those wow. shit faces in Buffalo are named. Wow. The same oh. people who donated money to the Penn State ice hockey arena. Yeah. How much did they donate? <laughs> Probably a lot of dirty money. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, did you hear what happened today? No. New York State Governor Kathy Hockel. Hockel? Hochul. I don't know how to say that. Was Ho- I thought it was Hochul. But Hochul announced uh, that the. Pegulas, Pegulas, whatever their name is. I think it's Pegula. Owners of two professional sports franchises are getting seven or $850 million of state aid for the new stadium for the, the Bills. Oh, man. You know what the state announced three days ago? Three days ago. An $800 million budget cut to child services in New York State. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, it is the richest public stadium deal ever for a small market team on the heels of massive cuts for the kids in new york state to two of the wealthiest owners in the nfl in terms of net worth what the hell i'm sorry that was just very frustrating and i know there is nuances to all the whole thing 
people in Buffalo who are very passionate are going to talk about, well, Erie County is actually technically kicking in 250 million and the state's doing 600 million and that, yeah, blah, blah, they're going to, they're going to support the revenue with casino money. And it's not actually the same bucket as the money that was coming to the kids for the New York state, but still optics wise, that looks fucking terrible. And it's very frustrating to see that um, these people, you know, it, there's there's a host of other issues or places where you can look at um things the the i don't even i can't i don't know how to say the name the the owners have done or uh, you know i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this it's just very frustrating <laughs> i love i love how you said um what the hell? This is very frustrating. That was like just so, so mild and tame, but then you did say fucking terrible. So that was better. I mean, it's, you know, it's unconscionable, but it's also not surprising. Like that's like the Jeffrey Loria special. Like that's what he did. I don't know if he did it in Montreal, but he did it in Miami. Um, and I mean, this shit happens all the time, right? These, all of these, all of these cities that build these new sports stadiums, they, they find ways to get it funded publicly. I don't know enough about all of the laws to know like, how it works, like how these billionaire owners manage to get public taxes to pay for these stadiums, um, especially at the expense of, of, you know, actual social services that will like help everybody. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's mind boggling, but this is, uh, this is Merca, you know, uh, where, where, you know, the money, I mean, the money drives everything, right? The most money, whatever it is, that's just that. And I mean, that's horrific. $800 million budget cut to children. So, I mean, I don't even know like how to even fucking respond to that. Yeah. Like it's insane. Kyle's Sorry. speechless. I stole your segment, Colin. No, no, I think it was great. I just, I'm so lost for words when it comes to the silly money that is out there. And then like, I was just talking to Toddy tonight about like, maybe not this year. Cause this year I'm really focusing all right, so I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but um, I'm really trying to focus on giving more. And so this year I've been really focused on, and, and a lot of it has to do with you actually, Matt. Um, but this year, my focus has been uh, the UNC Career Center. They have a program where like employer, um, not employers, but uh, you know, people who are professionals in HR recruiting and everything can partner with their um, career services and provide um, expertise and um, come in and, and uh, speak. Um, I, Mentorship, I resume reviews. Yeah. Guidance, yeah. Yeah. And I've done maybe like seven, eight, nine sessions already this year. Um, oh yeah. A couple more left for the spring and then it slows down until, you know, the fall starts up again. And I was talking to Toddy. I was like, I'm already thinking about like next year, what I can like build on because they, this year I took, I was like, okay, I'm going to, start giving back. I've been in recruiting for almost 10 years now. I want to give back um, for like everybody who's helped get me, you know, to this point. So that made a lot of sense. And just like recently I was reading about like housing and um, you know, affordability issues and things like that. And so I was like, maybe Habitat for Humanity would be something. And it just, anyway, it just, it's crazy to me that there is so much money in this world, but there are people that can't afford the the basic things in life to like just be happy like 
you know, there's, there's so many homeless people. There's so many uneducated people. There's so many unhappy people as a result, unhealthy people, like and everything. And yet there are these billionaires. And I, again, like, you know, to a certain extent, I get it. They worked, you know, they, they no, made the money. No. No. In some <laughs> in some cases, there's a little bit of truth to that. But at the end of the day, I will always like go to your side, Ethan, where it's just like it's too much. And like when you have that much, you should just give it to the people who really fucking need it. And like it just doesn't happen. And and I, I don't I don't know what else to say about it anymore. Like I, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to convince billionaires to give away billions of dollars um what what's the next highest thing of billionaires like in 100 years is stella going to be complaining about you know whatever the the next trillionaires Trillionaires. like i i I don't know i mean at this rate yes i mean what bezos and musk are they're already above 200 billion yeah they're they're 20 percent on the way there yeah yeah so it, it just makes me sad that there is enough money in this world, even though we're like overpopulated, I guess you could say, but there is enough money in this world to like pretty much help everybody, I think. And there's more than enough. Yeah. Yep. And money's arbitrary too. One, one day somebody was just like, this is going to have value to it. And this is what it's going to be like at any point, somebody could you know, take over the world and, and say your money means nothing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so I don't know. So quick question. When, when you're doing resume reviews and consulting, mm-hmm. something I found that there's like a dichotomy, either the person's resume needs a whole lot of work or it's like, this is perfect. Why are you here? Like get the hell out. Like, your resume is better than mine. Go, 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 go. I always found like it was one extreme or the other. Like, okay, like let's talk through what you've actually done. Let's maybe take off the elementary school that you went to. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, true story. True yeah. Story. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Some yeah. of the things people leave on, on their resumes are, um, you know, funny. And, and that, that is a conversation that comes up. It's like when you're thinking about, what to leave on a resume you're trying to figure out should i have a one page resume should i have a two page should i have a three page like all these things are appropriate given what what the context is around it right like if you're a fresh graduate you probably shouldn't have a three page resume but if you're a 40 year professional like maybe that makes sense um but we always talk about weight like what weighs more what's what has more impact that's how you can make decisions about what stays on and what doesn't and and to a certain extent matt yeah they're a lot of times I'll get people where it needs a lot of work. Um, but I rarely get one that like really blows me away. And mostly it's because I'm a harsh grader. Um, it's good. Which, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, 10 years in the, in the industry will <laughs> um, harden you up a little bit uh, on, on all that stuff. Um, but really I do it like out of care and, so like when somebody comes to me, one of the most common things, and if anyone's listening can take away from this, the, pretty much every single time I look at a resume, the, the one area that can always be improved is under your work history. And the, and the reason is, is because most times people are task listing and it's great to list what you 
are asked to do. But like, in my opinion, that is a minimum job requirement. Like you should be able to follow directions and you should be able to follow through on the minimum requirements of what your job is. What I want to know is what value did you provide? So like Ethan, you could write on your resume, I teach 443 students in, all right, I taught 443 students in 2021. Most people, that's what they would put on their resume because they think, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Like I taught 443 students, but I don't care about how many students you taught if none of them got any better, Mm -hmm. if none of them, you know, got any value out of the work that you provided. I want you to showcase on your resume what that achievement was from the work that you put in, like connect those two things. Say I taught 443 students, 10 of them that went to all county, all district, uh, one that was, you know, first chair, blah, 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 you know, what, whatever. Um, and, and that's just like a, a random example, but, um, that I, I always, whenever I'm giving feedback, I'll, I'll try to pick like one of those tasks that they listed and I'll say, okay, here's a couple questions that as a recruiter, I'm asking myself, like how, what mm-hmm. you did this, what happened? Like, where did it go? Uh, who did it impact and, and everything. So um, there's definitely usually always room for improvement in the work history. Cause a lot of times it is task listing. And even if people do list accomplishments, I still challenge them to think about more um, and, you know, really, <clears throat> excuse me, really dig deep there. Uh, one thing I'm not even great about myself is just trying to keep a log of accomplishments that I have like in the moment so that when I'm putting together a resume, I'm not trying to remember everything all at once. So um, if you can be better about that than I am, that that's a tip too, is just write it down as it happens. Keep your resume. One thing I've, I've done after <laughs> doing all these resumes and, and realizing that was a fault on my part is I put the, I put my resume on an open tab uh, on my personal laptop. So anytime something pops up, um, I'll see the tab open and I'll be like, oh, I should at least just write something down that you'll remember by. You don't have to like polish it up right in the moment and everything. But if you do something well, if you're, if you do something good, it's a big achievement, write it down so that you're not trying to do everything when it comes time to switch careers, look for a new job and, and everything. But I know that's getting on a little bit of a tangent. That's okay. It was good. Yeah, that's cool. We haven't talked about that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I always I always like telling people that what what what's the value? So yeah, you did this, but what was mm-hmm. it worth for the company? Mm-hmm. Why did you do it? Like, you know, that was a, a lesson I like. Okay, I I made this material substitution. Cool, that was my job. What did it do? Oh, it saved half a million dollars for the company like exactly. on a yearly basis. Exactly. Yeah, put that put that number out there. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bold like, it on your resume. Bold it. Put it in italics. Like, make it stand out somehow. And uh, if you put some, if you put some hobby or activity on there, it's one of the things I always talk about too. Better be able to talk about it. So, yeah. you know, I've got friends who, um, you know, I got a friend who got a job because he put that he right likes to run marathons and his activities in the bottom. And he said his interview was ninety eight percent talking about running with the guy. The guy <laughs> said he just decided that two minutes into the interview that they liked him and they just decided to talk about running. Yeah. Uh, for me. Um, I did the same thing with my mascot experience at school. Like, all right, I want to put that on there because that's going to be a great thing to talk about yeah. that not everyone can do. So if someone wants to bring it up, cool. If not, 
it takes up three cent or three lines on my on my resume and that's it. Yeah. So yep. I like seeing people who are well rounded too. I think that that matters like in the business world, if you will, you know, to not just be so dead focused on your work all the time. I don't want people burning out and not having a life or anything like that. Shameless plug. If you're active in the tech world and are looking for a new job, consult Collins or Nick Cernelia about snappy Kraken. <laughs> if my CEO is listening to this episode, he's going to love it. <laughs> snappy Kraken. That is Collins Cernelia. <laughs> All right, boys. You want to play musical chairs? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. The reason I'm calling it musical chairs because I can't come up with a better name for it maybe you guys will think of something better but i just have a bunch of random screenshots that i've been taking about baseball news and i'm just gonna pick one and we're gonna talk about it and you know see how it goes um the first one is uh to talk about i guess to put the cap on the lockout in the start of the new season here there are some new rules in major league baseball uh, that were agreed on by Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Uh, there will be a 28-man roster in April. Um, there is a potential for there to be an expanded roster, um, kind of similar to what it used to be in the past in September, too, uh, just because of the extra workload and you know things with a lot of doubleheaders and uh, just rest being more important in general these days. But I don't think that has officially been approved yet. But we have expanded rosters in April. Uh, the automatic runner, the ghost runner that some people refer to it as, is back um, on second base in extra innings. Ooh. I do not believe that it is. Uh, I don't believe it is something that is available in the postseason, but I'd have to double check that. Um, I believe it's kind of like the same thing, Matt, what you were talking about with the NFL, where they're just trying to speed things up in the regular yeah. season, but come uh, playoffs, they're going to nix that rule. Uh, and then the final rule, the big one, is a pitcher can remain to remain a DH after he's done pitching through the life of this current CBA. They are calling this the Otani rule. Obviously. Rightfully. So um, that's the one I'm, I'm interested in. Um, although I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily excited about because Otani's probably the only person it applies to. Um, but, you know, maybe there's some more Otani's brewing in the minor leagues that we don't know about. Uh, or even, you know, overseas and in different countries that are going to come, you know, over the course of the next five years. And maybe we'll see more Otanis, but um, I don't know. I don't hate the rules. I don't love the rules. They don't really excite me at all, all three of those things. But those were the big things that came out of the the last part of the negotiations. I think, yeah, none of them are particularly exciting. I think you're right. I think... <clears throat> I wish that more was being done about the overall pace of the game and quality yeah. of the product like we have talked about in the past. But I will say that I, I like the Otani rule. And I think even even if there only remains one, one Otani, even if he's the only one, nobody else comes up who can do what he does. I think that's still really important because he's one of the biggest stars in the game. He's transcending the game. True. People, when they go to the Angels, they want to see him. And if they get lucky enough to go to a game where he's pitching, like you want to be able to see him hit. Like what if he doesn't, what if he has an off pitching day and he only throws three or four innings, you don't get to see him hit anymore. That fucking sucks. Like as a fan. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, that's actually a good rule that actually services the fans for once. Right. Um, so, so I'm in, I'm into that, but I, but yeah, I, I think that in general, nothing particularly inspiring about those. Yeah. The Otani yeah. thing is that that's a good point. I mean, I, I, 
I don't think I, even with when Trout or yeah, Trout was injured um, when they, they played the Angels last year, the Yankees. But even when Trout was, you know, Trouty and doing his shoddy things, whenever the Yankees played the Angels, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I want to see Trout play. Unless I was going in person, that, that'd be different. But on TV, I wasn't like, I want to see Trout play. But when Otani was pitching at Yankee Stadium and, and he was he was hitting too, yeah. I was like, yep, sign me up for that. I'm, I'm definitely watching that game. Um, yeah. Like, I was super excited for that. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's cool. And I think there are um, some other things working in terms of uh, robo uh, umpires, um, bigger bases, um, you know, a couple, couple other things that are going to happen, I think, prior to next season. Don't forget Home Run Derby X. Oh, I just saw something about that today, like in my email, I think. Yeah. It's Sounds an international tour of four players. So, okay, it's near and dear to my heart. You guys you guys played MVP Baseball 2005, right? Yeah. Fucking love that game. Like, yeah, by far and large, the best, the best baseball game ever made, period. <laughs> period. Um, so I guess they're going to try and mimic that. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be on a baseball field. It's going to be like on a simulated baseball field. It's going to be four contestants with like wild card players and they're going to do a tour around the world. So it's Adrian Gonzalez, Johnny Gomes, Giovanni Soto and Nick Swisher. Oh God, never mind. I was excited <laughs> when I was reading about like the overall stuff. I yeah. And they're going to be like that. hitting towards targets and it's going to be like in five or six cities around the world. Okay. Um, and I guess there'll be people in the field too, that if they successfully field the balls, they, they can score points too. I don't know. It, it's honestly, I'm glad, I'm glad major leagues is taking a shot at this, but it sounds like a cluster waiting to happen. Like yeah. it just sounds like a train wreck. Um, but they want to create high energy live event experiences and opportunities for digital storytelling to, to engage with new baseball fans around the world. Um <laughs> So we'll see if this actually works or not. But again, I, I'll tune in. I'll watch. You know, Nick Swish will make an ass of himself and not realize it. Um, <laughs> you know, Adrian Gonzalez will probably win. Um, yeah, because he's the best hitter out of the four. Isn't he like sixty three? Um, <laughs> maybe, but he'll still win. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's at least can hit the ball where he needs to hit the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're gonna have targets. They're gonna have props. They're gonna have point values. You know, you you get like twenty five swings and ten. You can take ten pitches or something. So I don't know. It, it will be interesting to see where this goes. But yeah, yeah, they're trying something. Thank yep. you, MLB. You're trying something. Yep, yep. trying half assing it, but trying. For <laughs> yeah, sure. if, if you're gonna pick four players, what the hell? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah. Um. Like, all right. You, did you like not realize someone out like? Well, I guess we should call Nick Swisher. Like, come on, come on. Yeah. Like, there's got to be someone else. Get get Manny. You know, get that would be get, fun. Get, Manny. Yeah. Get Manny or get Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Big Mac. Mark McGuire. Yeah. Bonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get all the old steroid guys out. See if they can still hit the ball without steroids. Of course, they're all in their fifties now. So, or are, you, are they even older? Get Ricky Henderson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ricky Henderson, if anything, anytime we can get Ricky Henderson involved, you know what? They should just, they should pay him, MLB should pay him a ton of money just to like do live Instagram videos where he like tells baseball stories. Because, so for those who don't know, Ricky Henderson is famous for speaking about himself in the third person. So just like go online and look up Rick, Ricky Henderson quotes. 
they're fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like it's amazing. And so yes, we we all need more Ricky Henderson in our life. Well, and, and no matter what, he's always the best. Yeah. Like, which which his career numbers back it up in a lot of cases. Oh yeah, he amazing. was he was absolutely incredible and one of the best of all time. Yeah. yeah. I just if you haven't you know if you're new to baseball, Ricky Henderson, just just look up the video when he sets the stolen base record and he just takes the base. Like, <laughs> this is mine. I am Ricky Henderson. Bow before me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. So, All right. Before we get to the next musical chair, last week I gave, and I'm sure Ethan didn't listen to the episode, so he didn't hear Matt's feedback that we got from a listener. Um, but I'll give Ethan his feedback now since he's actually on the podcast. Um, and it says, as much as Ethan hates everyone, his musical background is very different from anyone that I know. And I'm sure his success there is partially due to the way he thinks. Uh, I am not a Trump supporter by any means, but I tend to be more conservative in my views of the world. But some of his opinions when the F-bombs are filtered have been thought provoking. <laughs> the glue- <laughs> we talked about the glue guy Um yeah, yeah, that was it. So I guess you, I didn't know you filtered your F-bombs. But. No, I don't, no. Well, I don't think I do, but I think that this person, there must be some times where I'm talking about these things where I'm not saying fuck quite as often. <laughs> and, and it must be that that is when this person is able to tune in more. That's fascinating. I'm uh, kind of shocked and um, kind of uh, pleasantly surprised. So if you're listening, whoever left, left that feedback, uh, thank you. That's really cool because I think, one of the, I'm going to try not to go on a huge tangent, right? But I think one of the huge issues with our, with our sort of, well, there are so many, with our politics and our political discourse right now is, and I'm certainly guilty of this plenty of the time, okay? I'm not saying that I'm like an angel here, but um, we are all so entrenched in what we believe um, and we sort of live in our own kind of bubble, right? The internet helps us do that. And um the idea of changing one's mind or even being just open to different ideas. Like this person, this person said that apparently a couple things I've said have been like thought provoking, like even that, even being able to admit that something that like a different perspective is thought provoking. And so, and let's put this into perspective. This person is saying that they're, that they lean conservative. I'm about as far left as it can get. So we're talking about a really wide gap in terms of basic political views. So the fact that that they would say something like that, like that is really meaningful to me. And I think if, and, and I will say in my own life, it's happened a little bit more with some of the people in my life recently, not so much on the podcast, because on the podcast, I just get angry and I rant about stuff, right? But um, in my actual life, nobody else, ex- except for my brother, nobody else is as extreme as me. And so a lot of my friends, you know, I'll kind of, I'll make these like huge general statements and they'll, and my friends will be like, okay, there's a little more nuance to that though. Like, what about this? What about that? And Matt is kind of smirking because he, he kind of does this sometimes. Um, and so, and that makes, you know, that gives me pause too. Like I have to, you know, you have to take into account nuance, right? You can't make these giant general statements most of the time, but you can about billionaires. They're all pieces of shit. Um, I was wondering that. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That that is a blanket statement I will always make, and I will never ever apologize for. So forget about that. Okay. Um, well, well, hey, quick, quick inter- interjection. So we talked about Mackenzie Scott and how she was like. I was like, maybe she's not that bad. Uh-huh. She's giving away tons of money. Yeah. Her her net worth still has gone up. <laughs> so there you go. So this well, this is the problem. And so here's the thing: is like even with somebody like that who is trying to give away her money, which kudos to her. But the larger issue here is, is the system. It's the system. There's a system that allows the Pegula families or however you pronounce them, uh, their last name to, to get 850 million of, of 
dollars of public money to, to build a new stadium. There's a system that allows all of these people to be worth these insane amounts of money and not pay any taxes on it because it's stock value. It's not like it hasn't been made into liquid cash yet, right? It's just like theoretical cash. Um, and so I believe it's called unrealized gains, unrealized gains. Yes. Joe Manchin has been in the news for talking about this, uh, along with some other Congress people because of uh, Biden's recent proposal to um, tax super rich people. But we can talk about that later. But anyways, I just want to say thanks to that person for the feedback. Um, that gives me hope because um, I think that's something that we need to, to try to do better, all of us. And one thing that I have learned the hard way, and it's really, really difficult for me, um, is is that just straight up like dismissing so like for me my tent my my i'm tempted to just completely dismiss any trump supporter and be like they have they have no morals they're an asshole they hate everybody and fuck them and they are irredeemable and they would probably say the same about me right a lot of them um and that's that's like that's a problem we we have to try to get away from that thinking i think that it's like probably too hard to do right now or if it does happen it's going to take a really long time and it's going to be slow um but in any case i appreciated that feedback so that's cool everyone say hi to boris the podcast yep the podcast has made an appearance i was smirking because he tried jumping up on my lap and missed and just (laughs) fell on his butt uh which cats cats don't do that cats don't fall um and it was actually very funny because he looked he looked just like so out of his element there. Like, what the hell just happened? It's like, yeah, you didn't land on your feet, bud. Mm-hmm. You're getting old. Aw. Mm-hmm. What is he, like 12 now? 14? Almost 13. Almost 13. Wow. Still looking great. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Our next musical chair comes from Meredith Marakovitz, our girl. Mm-hmm. She tweeted back on March 23rd, Aaron Judge asked for his reaction on the vaccine mandate being lifted in New York City. Quote, I'm happy Kyrie can play some home games. End quote. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't have anything else to add outside of what I said last week where. I, I mean, obviously, I don't understand why he just won't get. A vaccine in the first place and he could still you know he's not going to be able to play in canada and you know what whatever but i i also don't understand the rule especially for an outdoor <laughs> event <laughs> um where you know like i i don't know i yeah can we I just kinda, be done with covid please yeah I mean, I kind of get what you're saying about the outdoor event aspect of it. Like he's standing in right field, like he's a hundred feet away from, from everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, but what about, what about half the game, the hour that he spends in the dugout? Well, right. Yeah. In the dugout and in the clubhouse. And that's sure, that, that going to go there. Well, that is the, well, of course that is the question. And I mean, so then the <laughs> other question is how many, how many people on the team are vaccinated? Because if it's like everybody except for him and Rizzo, then chances are they're they're going to be pretty well protected. You don't think so, Matt? No, they didn't hit the threshold last year. They they had masks on the whole year. Oh, so there was a th- okay. No, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't hit the threshold. They they definitely had masks off at some point. They put they when well, they I, had that when they had that big outbreak. They started wearing them again. Yeah, but remember Boone Boone said they never actually hit the threshold. They just I stopped thought they masks. did. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they they hit it. It was it was a pretty low threshold to hit. I'm pretty sure they hit it. Hmm. 
regardless. E- either I'm, way, yeah. agree yeah. to disagree, but yeah. Well, we'll have to look it up later and and, and uh, touch on this next time. But yeah. for me, for me, it's just disappointing. Of course, like it's 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 very strange to me this whole like high profile athlete like anti vax thing because these people are like relying on on cutting edge science and medicine all the time to get into the best shape they can to recover the fastest that they can from injuries. Like it's so weird to me to like cherry pick that stuff. Like you are placing. As that level of athlete, you are presumably placing like all of your trust in like the highest level science and medicine. And so then to turn around and say, nope, um, about a a, a vaccine for a global pandemic to me is just like, it's very, um, uh, it it just doesn't, it's it's cognitive dissonance. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute for me. Yeah. I'm going to fly to Europe to get stem cells injected in my, my joint. So it heals faster, which is still wildly unproven. Uh, good, good data out there, but still not proven. But I won't take a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's yeah. just yeah, really crazy. I thought it was a funny quote, though. So. It is a funny quote. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he is he's learning how to um, do non-answers very well and and sort of manipulate. Well, not necessarily manipulate. That's too strong of a word, but yeah. evade questions very well for the media. Yeah. All right. Next musical chair is going to top off our conversation from last week with guest Matt. When we talked about the three lowest payrolls in baseball, these are the largest contracts given out ever by the three teams, the pirates. Do you guys want to, you you guys want to try and guess the players before I I tell tell you players? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of interested. Uh, Is it McCutcheon? Nope. He's probably the obvious guess. Um, Cervelli, <laughs> right position, but no. Kendall, yep. No okay. fucking way. Hasn't dude. played since 2010. Oh Boom. my god! A six-year, sixty million dollar contract. That's the largest contract. Largest ever contract given out. given out by the Pirates. Okay, Indians or Guardians? Guardians. Me, uh, Encarnacion. Yes, three nice. years, sixty million dollars. Okay. And the final one, our favorite, Oakland Athletics. Um. Hmm. Chris Davis. Nope. Um, Jermaine Die. Nope. It's a good guess. Closer Man, I, to the time period. I can't even remember. Like uh, people. Jeremy uh, or Jason Giambi. Is was it one of the like Hudson or Zito? They got shipped off. Before yeah, that. they got shipped off. So did Giambi. Zito got his big contract and the one guy, the one guy that yeah. survived all of those teams. Rich Harden. Nope. Uh, Miguel Tejada. Nope. He Damn didn't it. survive either. He went to the Orioles. Orioles. Yeah, right, right. All right, who the fuck is it? Eric Chavez. Yep. Oh, Eric Chavez. Wow. Six years, $66 million. All right. Hasn't played since 2014 and is currently the Mets hitting coach. I threw a lot of names out there, but I got all three. Yep. Yeah, good job, Matt. Very nice. Yep. Very impressive. Yep. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So I just wanted to top that off. Uh, a very interesting thing I thought for our next musical chair is uh, debuting on Sunday, April 3rd, this coming Sunday on MLB Network, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Donnie Baseball documentary. Ooh, that's cool. All right. I'm excited. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be into that. Actually, I'm going to write it down right now. Yeah. Matt, why are you making a fucking face? Oh, no, I just... I, don't, I, I guess I don't idolize Donnie baseball as much as everyone does. Ugh. Unbelievable. 
What are we going to do with this guy? <laughs> Got to go on YouTube and watch some old clips or go and go and look at the seasons he had in the, in the mid eighties before he hurt his back. I mean, he was I so had, goddamn good. I had the, I had the baseball card that, you know, where he was the single season grand slam record holder for the longest time. I know he was good, but, mm-hmm. but he was, he was four, four grand slams in a season, which was only passed by what Josh Hamilton, right? I think it was six, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Manny was up there too, but I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I got us to the two minute warning here. What I mean by that is I got two musical chairs left. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first one, Matt, you are, you are the person who has brought these guys up uh, the most so far. Uh, the Savannah bananas, uh, the independent baseball team in Savannah, Georgia. Did you guys see a uh, 75 year old Red Sox hall of famer? Bill Lee came down from the stands with a beer and then proceeded to strike out a player in the middle of the game. Amazing. No, but that's phenomenal. Oh, <laughs> it's amazing. That's great. Go to uh, YouTube. All you listeners, do the same thing. Go to YouTube. He throws. It's the 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 what, what's e- it called? Ethos. Ethos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I think the first two he follows off the the guy he's pitching to, uh, and then uh, the final one he just swings right through it uh, for the for the strikeout. I no idea if it was staged but it still was it was really cool to see <laughs> uh, so fun yeah yeah just a lot of fun like I, I i you know obviously that doesn't work for major league baseball right no. like that's that's not what you want to see but man the entertainment there like they they got something going on they they get it that's yeah. really cool no. yeah they're on the short list for sure i think that'd be a lot of fun yeah yeah i i, I don't i was listening to the episode when ethan was talking about like how we're not really joking when we say we don't want to go to tampa um, <laughs> i would definitely go to savannah before yeah i would agree to go to tampa exactly i'm, and I'm sorry like, yeah and that's like kind of <laughs> fucked up like props to the savannah banana like baseball people like that's amazing obviously they're doing something really well but that's kind of more of an insult to tampa bay and to mlb yeah you know i mean a bunch of yellow shirted fans find that baseball down there appealing so um you know they're not going to slip up with their attendance they're going to really uh you know look at all these puns come on (laughs) (laughs) i was waiting for Ethan to react thank you colin about Um, what what appealing a a bunch of yellow (laughs) they they must find that appealing yeah don't slip up See, yeah, my brain is just, drinking. My brain is so far from puns most of the time. So, yeah, no, I went totally over my head. Yeah. Oh, man. I was proud of myself. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to finish yeah. it off, though. Yeah. No, that was actually good, Matt. Now that now that it had to be explained to me, I, you know, I can appreciate it. But All right. So we've come to the final musical chair. Uh, also, wait. Before... That, I mean, it's okay. I, I get that you don't get puns because... In my mind, probably half of the, the language in your head is like, <laughs> so I mean, pretty much, I, I yeah. That's so actually, I'll, my 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 partner was uh, was kind of teasing me the other day, and uh, she referred to me kind of. I don't think I'm zoned out that often, but maybe, maybe I'm zoned out a lot. Oh and she, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. She referred to it as my magical music world. Like that's like, like, that's like basically my brain is magical music world. <laughs> and I just like that, the ring of that. And so I'm keeping that. Yeah. Uh, no, I like that a lot. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't say you're zoned out a lot, but I do, I do agree with the magical music world. Yeah. So 
<laughs> I think I just found the uh, title for this episode. <laughs> yeah, magic, magical <laughs> music world. Uh, All right, man. final chair, Colin. Sorry, I just <laughs> no. That was worth it. That was. I'm, that was I'm glad. I'm glad uh, someone else thinks that thinks about the magical music world too. <laughs> I, I couldn't coin that good of a term, but that's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would have never coined that, and I've seen it in action plenty yeah. of times. So, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, before I get to the to the final, I will say I saw cousin Greg this weekend. Yeah, um, had great things to say about the pod. Definitely wants to come on again in the future. Um, just uh, you know, really appreciate the the support there, cousin Greg. Uh, we have a Yankee trivia. It's a question though um, from brother Dan to uh, top this off. Ooh, Dan's always got good ones, too. Yeah, true. I will say, I don't know what the answer to this is. Um, So we're just going to have to, I guess, give our best guesses. Doug uh, Mankiewicz. And brother (laughs) brother Dan will have to write in and uh, let us know on the next episode if we Uh, got the answer uh, right. Reed Reed Brignac. (laughs) Same era. Same era of insane Yankee teams. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, although you guys might be able to to look it up and and find it out. But uh, So last year, the Yankees as a team, so hitters and pitchers, finished with an OPS plus of exactly league, league average, 100. <laughs> Since 2000, that has only happened one other season. Which year is it? That was based, It's based off of baseball reference. Um, his hint, do you, want to give, do you want me to give a hint right now, or do you want to start throwing out names? I yeah, have, let's go with a hint. I have no guess, yeah. All right. In that year, their center fielder led the team with an OPS of 139. I'm guessing the center fielder he's talking about is Granderson. Curtis Granderson. Yeah, it's got to be Granderson. And so I was guessing 2012. 2011. Is that the year he hit 40? 2011-12, yeah. 10, I mean, one of those years, 10, 11, 12, I'd have to look it up. But Did, did he walk enough to have an, o, an OPS above 1,000? Maybe one of those years to get above a thousand, you got to have 600 slugging and, and, and 400 on base. That's really, really hard to do. Of course, I don't, I don't think that I see, I was going to say maybe Bernie, I maybe in one of Bernie's like great years, he might've hit that level. Well, both of those. So the, the thing though, to remember is it's since the year 2000, Bernie was obviously still a center fielder for five more years. Yeah, he, he, He didn't have many great years after 2000, did he? Right. 2001 or two was probably the, the closest yeah did johnny damon ever <laughs> nah no, no way he would have had an a thousand ops right i don't plus he never played center with us did he didn't he always play left he played center he oh, played he? i think when he first came over yeah, yeah. okay even even in the world series team wow Gardy took over after that okay with his you know fly swatter type swing <laughs> right uh, I, to me, it's got to be the Granderson year where he hit forty. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a good guess. Yeah, who the who were the center fielders post Granderson? Uh, Jacoby and and oh, and, and, and Gardy, right? If Jacoby it's, and Gardy. If it's Ellsbury, that's. I mean, knowing your brother, that that could be like the the red herring there. It could be. <laughs> what, J- Jacoby never he never did shit with us. He had. One I, think okay he had one, year, right? I think he had one okay year. There's yeah. no chance that his OPS was anywhere close to a thousand. Yeah, that's probably true. No fucking way. His I'll best, look it up his best serious, year but... with Boston was probably the closest that he was ever to. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Grandy, not to, well, should I say or should I, should we wait until? Yeah, no, 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 go. Give us. Uh, Grandy let... never broke a thousand in his OPS. Okay. So let, let, yeah, let's, let's try to come to a consensus. 
about who we think it is, and then he'll tell us next. I think Bernie's the only one who could have had an 1,000 OPS out of all the center fielders since 2000. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up quick. Granderson Granderson came close, but never 1,000. Not Bernie either. Shit. But, but, so Granderson hadn't, he did have an OPS plus of 142. That's really, that's really good. Could it be Hixie? Did Hixie, I mean, Hixie walked a lot. Did he have enough Wait, 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 wait. I think we are getting confused here. Yeah, what was the hint? Was it OPS hint? plus? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant 100. OPS one thousand thirty nine. I thought you yeah, like yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. no, 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 no. OPS plus was one thirty nine. Yep. Oh, and the league average last year was one hundred. Right. Well, but yeah, the league average is always one hundred. But you're saying the right. hint is that the center fielder specifically had one thirty nine that yes. year. Wow. Okay, that's super interesting. Wow. Um, okay. Um, See, I was looking at overall OPS then, so never mind with my Grandy and Bernie uh, numbers. Well, yes, Matt. Just say it. You look like you want to say something. Who, who said Bernie first? That would be me, Ethan. You were right, Ethan. Fuck yeah. What year? Two thousand one. I said it had to be two thousand Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. I don't uh, think he had a good year in two thousand, but I think he had some bounce backs in one and two, and then he dropped off. So yeah, his OPS plus is one thirty nine, which yeah. is nuts because his OPS was only nine nine seventeen. Um, no, I mean nine seventeen is really good. Well, he he walked a shit ton because he only I mean, he hit he hit twenty six homers. Yeah, how many games did he play that year? Um, had to be one of his last full uh, seasons. One he had five hundred and forty at bats. So how many one, games? Hundred one fifty four in wow. two thousand and two. Is that yeah. a career high? No, one forty six. In 2002? 2001. Oh, sorry, 2001. Sorry, 2001. 146. Yeah. So yeah. 2002 might have been his career high in games played. He never played that many games. Yeah, 154. Oh, no, 158, 1999. That was his career high. It was 99. Well, and, but, but what's nuts about the team is the Bernie was second on the team in homers with 26. Um, yeah. Well, there were a lot of years there where we didn't have like a giant. 2001, power Tino led the team. Like. Yeah, Tino led the team with 34. But you're right, top to bottom. The only starter that didn't have at least ten homers was Collins' boy, Chucky. Nobby. Nobby. Yeah, but he That's still because he wasn't a he wasn't a full time starter. Uh, one thirty one hundred thirty seven games. Yeah, but he, yeah, yeah, you're right. He did that was that was his left field season. No, yeah, I mean that was a that was a rough season. It was a it was actually. A, I'm pretty sure fifty. I'm pretty sure he was hitting like close to four hundred in May. Um, that season everyone was like oh my god getting away from second base like they should have done this years ago and then he hit 250 and, yeah and played one more year with the royals and yeah, <laughs> that was unfortunately it. yeah his ops plus that year was 83 Oof. yeah he did lead the lead the team in one statistic though hit by pitch <laughs> he always got hit a lot didn't he didn't, yeah. didn't his elbow yeah. kind of lean way yeah. out yeah. yeah yeah he definitely he had that he had that g close stance but yeah, didn't hit those monster homers. Although he did hit some big homers in the playoffs. Oh so. yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not everyone is always going to be over a hundred for OPS plus. Now it's funny because Justice was at ninety nine. The other only other person below average that year was uh, Soriano, of all people, actually. You know what? Yeah, really? It was his rookie year. Yeah, interesting. It was his okay. rookie year, but he still had some pop that year, if I remember correctly. He think about this, okay. Soriano won game four of the ALCS with a walk-off homer. In 2001? In 2001. 
And then he would have, if Rivera saved the game, would have hit the game-winning home run in game seven of the World Series. And he also won game five when he knocked in Knobloch for the game-winning run in extra innings. Wow. Like an incredible postseason. His postseason in, I mean, 2002, they were all terrible. That's why they got swept, um, or not swept, but knocked out in the first round. Um, I think Bernie was the only one who had any big hits uh, that that whole postseason. Um, but in 2003, he was terrible in the postseason. And I don't know if, you know what it was, but that was that was his 39 homer, 40 something stolen base season or whatever. Mm. But um, just to think about how different he would be remembered if he would have ever gotten traded for a Rod had had the Yankees won that 2001 World Series and he won yeah. three playoff games yeah, <laughs> before them as a rookie. Right now, um, <laughs> now, now technically Bernie wasn't the OPS plus leader on the team that year, but he. But the the, per, the only person to score higher than him that year was only played eight games. But I don't think Danny said that his OPS plus was the highest, right? He was just it saying was, that. Yeah. Oh, he, he said that? Yeah. Yeah, he said lad, yeah. Oh, gotcha. One person on the team had an OPS plus that year of 223. In eight games? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> Eric Almonte. Eric Almonte. I don't remember that name at all. I remember Danny Almonte, the little league pitcher. <laughs> Eric Eric Almonte had a whopping uh, 144 plate appearances in the majors. Wow! But we'll uh, always have 2001. Yeah. And I just want to leave you guys with Chuck Knobloch had a three-run game-tying home run in Game One of the 1998 World Series, a two-run game-tying home run in Game Three of the 1999 World Series a uh, sack fly to tie the game in the ninth inning with at least one out, if not two outs of the 2000 world series. And he scored the game winning one run on that Soriano hit of game five of the 2001 world series, all games in which the Yankees won all games in which Chuck Knobloch came through big. Yes. He had the yips. Yes. He was not amazing in the regular season. Like he was with the twins. But he had some big hits. And I will forever. Yeah, yeah no, forever. Luis Soho had some big hits too. <laughs> One big Soho. hit. <laughs> One big hit. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fair though. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I liked him. As much as I give you shit about him, I liked him. <laughs> nice. All right, boys. Let's wrap it up. I think we did it. We did it. Any shout outs? Any anything we got? Not for me. Um, I had something in my mind, and I'm 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 drawing a blank. Well, this episode is ending very nicely. Yeah, I love I love how we end episodes. I think it's great. <laughs> Chug a beer. <laughs> I 